0: This is your anti-war ASMR. Thanks for joining us for Drop the Mic Mondays, where we try to make your Monday a whole lot better and a lot less militant. This is a great episode we have with Ramon Mejia from the Grassroots Global Justice Anti-Militarism Organizer, talking about the intersections of climate and militarism. Super interesting episode, really excited for the no war, no warming pledge that's coming up that we've already had congressional representatives sign on to, and you can see us activating on this in the fall for the midterms. Thanks so much for listening to Drop the Mic Mondays. I know that we need to get a better microphone, and we will, because we want you to really enjoy the anti-war media that we're creating for you. If you like what we're doing so far, please like, share, subscribe. Do all the things. We are on all these platforms to make sure that these messages get out there. And we're just so excited to have you listening to our shows by Natasha Erskine and Shauna Foster, co-directors of About Face Veterans Against the War.
1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Drop the Mic Mondays. We know that there are so many places that you could be, but we're super excited that you can be with us here today. Um, My name is Natasha. I am the organizing director at About Face Veterans Against the War. And, you know, listen, um, you know, for all of those who are in the audience who either understand what the military industrial complex is, um, you know, engage with us. In the chat, as we have today's conversations, we'll do this weekly. We'll have different guests and bring them on to talk about, um, you know, really, what type of society um, do we want to exist? Um, do we believe can happen? Um, and so that this is why we wanted to really create this space um, to talk about um, the military. Um, Industrial complex, and so what we really want to do is to break down militarism, um, colonialism, imperialism, racism, um, systemic, structural, and institution oppression wherever it exists. Um, And so, you know, our guests will include activists, artists, um, you know, experts from you know the the grassroots um, level and, you know, who are doing work in their communities, across the movement, and so we really think that it's important to have these conversations, um, you know, particularly as we're seeing, um, the defense, you know, budget, um, projected to increase, uh, you know, overwhelmingly, um, from where it is, where it should be, um, and while we see social, you know, needs not being met, Um, in our country. So we really want to have space to have um, conversation with our guests. Um, And again, so if you're here with us, I'd love for you to do just one thing, Um, or actually two, engage with us in the chat if you have questions, reflections, share some of the work that you're doing, and then also grab this link, share it across your social media and invite um, friends and colleagues and comrades um, to join us in this space. Um, We're here today after the 54th, um, and I would say year after um, Dr. King um, was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to go and listen to his words again, where he talks about the three evils of society, which is racism, which is exploitation of economics and militarism, and hear those words um, and, uh, you know, really help it become a part of the organizing that you may do, um, the conversations that you might have, whether it's in a coffee shop, your community, or um, building power, um, shifting the, the power structures, really, to people-centered um, and definitely for what we need in this moment. So, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Shawna. I want to bring you on. Please do a brief introduction and then let's get into the conversation. Hey everybody, it's
0: Shauna Foster. I'm the co-director with About Face, Veterans Against the War. Been part of this organization since 2006 and I'm so glad that you're listening to us today. Absolutely right on Natasha. Today being April 4th, 53rd uh, year in observance after NLK uh, left us way too early and uh, the most moving of his speeches were Beyond Vietnam, where he calls the triplets of evil, racism, poverty, and militarism. That's the first time I ever read that word was militarism uh, was in his Beyond Vietnam speech. So if you wanna know what About Face is all about, go read Beyond Militarism, because that is exactly what we are organizing on today against those triplets of evil and how they intersect and just perpetuate oppression. Another thing I wanted to uh, give a shout out to is the Trans Day of uh, Visibility was last week. So we're so glad uh, that trans folks are with us. Uh, we're so proud of you. And I wanted to give a shout out to our Demilitarize You that's coming up on these same Vets About Face channels on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. If you come to our Demilitarize You, you will hear from our own veteran Shiloh and Dean Spade talking about. Why trans people serve in the military? What happened that made it, you know, that went from don't task, don't tell to uh, trans people openly serving in the military and all the intersections of is, uh, you know, representation actually the same thing as liberation? And is that what trans people want? So come and check out our Demilitarize You on these same channels uh, to be able to learn more about that and happy trans day of visibility. We're so glad for trans people uh, to be with us and to be part of our communities. Um, so today I wanted to get into it with my buddy Ramon. He works at uh, grassroots global justice. I first met Ramon back in, oh my gosh, I don't know, was it like 2013, 2014 when he was a board member of About Face? What are you gonna say, Ramon?
2: No, yeah, yeah, they run that time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was awesome uh meeting him then as a board member. Uh and even though he was so sick, I was like, What is with this guy? <laughs> not feeling great, but it's just been a great activist uh, mentor to a lot of people of us here in the anti-war community. And I'm so excited to have you on with us here today, Ramon. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing?
2: Uh, thanks. No, I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, so again, my name is uh, Ramon Mejia. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I'm the anti-militarism national organizer with uh, Grassroots Global Justice Alliance. Um, and I came to about face In 2011, I would say, Um, 2012 is when I joined the organization. Um, I'm a Marine Corps veteran of the Iraq War. Um, So uh, when I found an organization that aligned with my values and wanting to uh, oppose uh, the wars and, uh, you know, as Shauna was mentioning the first time that um, I heard of militarism was uh, through About Face, Veterans Against the War, right? They, they introduced me to what militarism was. And uh, um, so then, now um, in my role at GGJ as Anti Militarism National Organizer, um, um, you know, GGJ is an alliance of uh, uh, 60 member grassroots organizations throughout the country. Um, We're a cross issue, frontline, internationalist, and unapologetically left alliance. Um, um, and so my role at GGJ is to help contribute an analysis, uh, to the relationship between militarism and the extractive economy, and kind of to deepen that consciousness within our members, um, um, to, to critically struggle against U S militarism in its various forms. Um, so we have the, uh, demilitarized working group that clarifies our strategic goals and, and identifies the challenges and opportunities that we can, uh, help to build a, a stronger uh, movement against militarism and, and towards transformative justice. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you all uh, on April 4th. Is also, uh, yeah, the anniversary of uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Beyond uh, Vietnam speech, uh, where he said that quote: "A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on, mer- on uh, military defense than on uh, programs of social uplift is uh, approaching spiritual death." end quote and uh with the proposed military budget of eight hundred and thirteen billion dollars um it just it's all more important to continue uh, listening to his words and 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 uh, hearing his advice.
0: I wanted to ask you is ggj is the only thing they work against is militarism or
2: oh no, I mean, yes. G-GJ, um it has uh, has four programs um so within uh, Gdj we have uh, the membership has has voted on to to moving for uh, four programs so we have uh, the anti-militarism program, uh, we also have uh, grassroots feminisms, um, and then we also have uh, global well-being, um, and then um, uh, uh, internationalism, right, uh, You know, movement building, so yeah, uh, those are the programs okay. that we have at GGJ.
0: Okay, well, great, and um, I know that you were at COP26 recently, right, on the militarism, um, as an anti-militarism, but COP26 is not like a defense contractor conference. It's where all the nations get together and talk about the environment. So why were you there as a militarism organizer?
2: Yeah, uh, so um the conference of the parties, cop twenty uh, six, you know, uh, happened in Glasgow, um, uh, Scotland in November. and um, you know we uh, GDJ, along with a, um, a delegation, uh, it takes roots of a frontline organization's indigenous environmental network. Uh, climate Justice Alliance, Just Transition Alliance, um, you know, Jobs with Justice, comprising this delegation of it takes roots. You know, we led over it essentially was over 60 uh, plus member delegation. Um, um, and it came at a historic moment um, uh, when the climate crisis continues to to touch all of our lives. Um, um, that's the reason that I uh, you know participated in is simply through my through my role at GGJ um but it was important to to be at this conversation um a, a, and at cop 26 uh, because uh military emissions are excluded from um from climate conversations right from climate ne- negotiations and so with um, um um the military being the number one polluter killer colonizer in the in the, in the planet um oh, then, wow. it's, then it's important that we have uh, um uh, that we have a genuine honest conversation about um, the impacts of climate change and the fact that the military um, is the number one consumer uh, uh, of fossil fuels and subsequently uh, the number one emitter um, uh, of fossil fuels or of emissions, right? Of uh, those most, those uh, chemicals most uh, um, um, contributing to the climate crisis. Um, and so then, you know, one of our roles as a delegation was to kind of make, put front and center this conversation about. Uh, how military impacts our, our, all our lives and how it impacts um, um, our ecosystem and how it impacts the climate. Um, but we wanted to make sure that the conversation wasn't, more, wasn't only on emissions, um, that we needed to um, uh, address the way that the military impacts um, air, water, land, life, right, the way it impacts all of us. Um, so that's one of the kind of things that we wanted to go was to make sure that We wanted to um, speak about how the military impacts the climate. You know, war and war preparation for it uh, are the most fossil fuel activity, most fossil fuel-consuming activities on the planet. Um, You know, there's over 750 military bases around the world in 70 countries and territories. Um, And beyond the issues of of, of related to sovereignty. these continued occupations are the main source of pollution or are one of the main sources of pollution within these nations in the global south. Um, You know, domestic and and overseas military installations account for uh, about 40% of the DOD's uh, greenhouse gases emissions. Um, You know, for example, just like one military jet uh, or plane, you know, the B-52 consumes just as much fuel in an hour um, as the average car driver uh, uses in, in seven years. Um, you know, so when, uh, the United States, um, you know, national priorities project recently pointed out, like, it's important that we continue to uh, push on this conversation around militarism and the impact on the climate, because, um, you know, you have the, the latest federal budget, uh, deal spends about 1 billion per year on international climate aid versus $2 billion per day on the U S military budget. Right. Um, this U.S. military budget that continues to increase, continues continues to grow, um, is going to impact all of us, not only through direct wars and conflict, uh, but the, the ramifications and the after effects that war has on people and on the environment, whether it be in Iraq, whether it be in Afghanistan, whether it be in Ukraine, um, 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 where, wherever war is being waged, then um, one of the silent kind of Uh, victims uh, of war is is the climate and the the environment.
0: So you just dropped a lot of knowledge. I'm going to ask some follow-up questions about, you know, those 715 uh, military installations around the world, not all of them are active, right? Some of them are defunct. And are just full of like chemicals and haven't really been cleaned up, right? Nuclear testing, fuel tankers. Think of like the Red Hill disaster that's happening in on Oahu in Hawaii, right? Is there, is there like any plan for the military to clean up the old bases or the installations?
2: <laughs> I mean, you have like uh, you know essentially rusting barrels and chemicals and solvents and millions of rounds of ammunition that have been criminally abandoned by the Pentagon. Uh, I mean. We can look back to um, essentially since Vietnam, right? Since almost fifty years since Vietnam, uh, since the Vietnam War, and, and Agent Orange, the contamination that Agent Orange has has had on uh, on the population continues to destroy families. continues, you know, resulting in in severe birth defects and cancers into the, you know third generation, fourth generation uh, had been continued to be impacted. You know, in Iraq, uh, the you know researchers studying about the impact that the U.S. military sieges on the city of Fallujah had said that this, you know, the subsequent health crisis represented the highest uh, rate of genetic damage in any population ever studied. Um, Nuclear weapons testings throughout the Southwest, uh, uh, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, you know, all the way to the South Pacific Islands has contaminated millions of acres of land and water with uh, radiation um, and uranium. I mean, What's clear is that the the that what's clear is that the the number one polluter in in in, in this world is not going to be is not the key to the climate solution, right? The military is a false solution. Um. So with that being said, is that that we have to um begin to um, um divert our funds from the military and invest in our communities, invest in um in in not retooling military bases, right? Because with the Climate crisis is happening right now. There's now all this funding that wants to go into the military, in the sense that I think it was like two, two billion dollars, or, or even more. I might be it might be a trillion dollars. I don't I don't recall. Okay, it was like two billion. But like all these uh, is being invested into retooling um, 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 uh, military bases that are vulnerable to climate change, uh, vulnerable to fires, vulnerable to flooding. Um, um, they're going to retool these bases in order to make sure that they're able to withstand um, um, the climate. Um, so rather than investing all all this money into retooling bases, they need to be uh, investing the money into closing these bases, into remediating right. the land, right? Cleaning up the land that that has been destroyed and be able to convert the land um, um, into community uses that are going to be fruitful and and, and, um, yeah. and useful for the community. Um, that's a what lot of people spending it on.
0: I've, I mean, if you were in the military, it wasn't until I got in. I mean, I grew up on military bases, but it wasn't until I got in that I realized how many installations are Superfund sites that need to be cleaned up. And rather than cleaning these things up, they're just going to protect against the next climate threat while while adding to the climate problem of, um, you know, extracting resources and putting it out into the atmosphere when really we need to reduce the military overall and clean up a lot of these Superfund sites. Um, yeah, because a lot of times people think about the military in terms of its consumption, um, but they don't think about like, okay, the military has been consuming natural resources asymmetrically to everything else, the U.S. military, for a long time. So there's a long history of pollution that needs to get cleaned up in addition to the current consumption um, and, and things that they're doing. So do you think that um, you know, veterans have a place to talk about climate justice from their vantage point in being in the military?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for one, I think the fact that the, uh, the that a majority of military bases are also Superfund sites, or that the majority of, of former military bases are also uh, Superfund sites, I, I think veterans have a huge role to play in in how the the, the, the their employer essentially um, has an impact on, on 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 the ecosystems and on the climate, um, you know. I was just reading a a story recently I remember, I can't remember the the base off the top of my head, but um, um, AP AP did an investigation um, of where um, uh, army base where soldiers are starting to come forward about the, about um, contaminated, you know, drinking contaminated water and the cancers that have been um, possibly connected to, to, to them um, consuming the water. And, you know, you hear about, um, you know, Camp Lejeune, there was also an issue there about water. You're, you're seeing it on Oahu now. Um, you're seeing it the way that the um, that uh, you know one of our members, Southwest uh, Organizing Project in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, they're dealing with a jet fuel spill that has lasted decades, right? That leached onto their aquifer um, that provides water to uh, the largest urban sensor in the state. Um, and you know a lot of these bases, a lot of the you know not only the bases that 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 that, uh, that a lot of you know active duty live at, but a lot of people that end up becoming veterans and be, you know after they 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 leave the military, they end up many of them end up residing near military bases, um, and, and the pollution that those military bases continues to 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 wage on their uh, on the, uh, on their communities. It's, so it's important that veterans get involved to address. The way that the military is 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 uh, is unconcerned with the way it impacts veterans, and also just the fact that um, um, you know, the water we all drink, water we all breathe the same air. Um, so it's important that every person in society, from veteran to non-veteran, is engaged in this conversation.
0: Thanks, Ramon. Um you know, I was just wondering, is it really effective to focus on the military at all when you're talking about climate justice stuff? Like, I mean, we quote need the military to protect us, right? So what, 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 what is a, you know, a climate campaign that's focused on the military or militarism look like? Like, what are you asking for?
2: Um, I guess what I'm, Yes it is the right conversation to have right like it, it is important to like focus on the military um in this climate conversation um you know because um you know war fans the flames of uh, uh for climate change you know and the fact that there isn't real discussions of holding the military accountable um that means that we're not meaningfully addressing the devastation caused uh by the military and one of the top contributors um towards the climate crisis right um, um, Again, like I was saying, like instead of pouring resources um, into uh, to building this war machine, we should be pouring resources into our communities, um, you know, into healthcare and education, into housing, right? All the fundamental elements that 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 are needed in order to have thriving uh, communities. Um, so, how does that look like as far as um, holding the military accountable um, uh, for its impact on climate change? Is to start. Kind of thinking about, um, uh, you, you know, engaging on one hand engaging fellow community members um, uh, uh, in in how the military essentially and defense contractors over fifty percent of the of the budget, you know, is, go, is going to uh, to defense contractors. So they all the resources that would be going to them or aren't going to them. So um, it's important to kind of engage our fellow community members um, uh, around this conversation. It's also important to engage politicians um, um, who, um, uh, subsequently, like that. A lot of the, you know, a good a good number, I think, in the dozens have money invested in weapons manufacturers, right? So they're uh, they're they're benefiting they're benefiting financially from investing in stock um, uh, that. It makes that 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 makes profit from war. Um, so you have these same Congress people that not only are in, uh, have invested stock in in uh, in, uh, in weapons manufacturers, but they're also uh, voting and deciding when and when to uh, wage war, and also uh, what contracts are being uh, used in their state or their districts. Right. So it's important that we get that we engage them in, um, in, in that way. So uh, one way that GGJ is kind of um, uh, engaging in the moment of seeing like, how can we continue to expand this conversation around militarism and climate is through the no war, no warming pledge, and essentially engaging politicians that have signed on to uh, the Green New Deal resolution. But then have also um, I've been speaking to um, the impact of military on climate change, but then seeing as the solution is, is to essentially decarbonize the military, the, the the greening of the military, which is also a false solution, because uh, you can't green the violence and, and 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 destruction that the military wages on people and on ecosystems. Right, um, an institution that's willingly uh, and openly uh, able to to obliterate land, air, and sea, and and, and people people, um, aren't going to be the solution to climate change. Right, so engaging politics. Yeah,
0: like coming up with biodegradable bullets. Yeah. That's not really gonna solve uh, the problem when it comes to pollution in the military, right?
2: Yeah. No yeah, it's like it's like you see it, it, I remember I even I remember seeing like there's a photo where it's like you have a uh, solar panel like artillery uh, you know howitzers that, that are are connected to solar panel, like essentially you know trying to make it uh, uh, less you know emission. but yet the bombs and the, the, the artillery pieces that are landing on people and on communities. Um, are, are, are going to not only killing people, but then contaminating the, so, the soil as well. Right. Um, so yeah. through this no war, no warming pledges. You know, it's about cleaning up and remediating and transition to military bases. Right. So these 790 military bases that start closing them down, start to clean up and remediate and then transition that um, um, those base sites into alternative, healthy, resilient community uses. Right. It's about reallocating funds, from institutions that propagate harm and and and, imbe- and it's about investing in community resources right it's about ending weapons manufacturing and distribution and war profiteering and cre- in you know essentially creating policy that bans uh weapons manufacturing and, and and the production of you know repurposing military equipment and stuff like that you know so um, that's how kind of we're trying to engage in that way
1: yeah that's a great thank you for sharing that i know we are dropping the link um, to the pledge in the chat. Um, if you are on, um, YouTube, Facebook, we, you should see that link. I believe if you're on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. you can visit us on, um, our YouTube or, um, Facebook thread for that link. And it's also, um, populated here at the bottom of the screen.
2: Oh. Um, so, so, let me, let me, I apologize. Let me just to make sure to clarify. So, one thing that GGJ is working on is on the War and the Warming Pledge, and we're going to be kind of engaging that 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 process more. Um, but the the pledge that, should, that that's in the chat, the No Greenwashing Pledge, that's a that's a, a, a essentially what it is is the Environmental Justice Has No Borders Pledge. It's a, a commitment to boycott propaganda trips to uh, to apartheid Israel, right? So it's a it's a pledge of coalition that has come together um, that put out this pledge on uh, on the release that on Land Day. Uh, was a day marking uh, Palestinian protest against uh, violent Israeli removal of their lands um, and comes after uh, uh, in the aftermath of an incident that essentially highlighted the dangerous persistence of and support of uh, colonialism in the environmental justice movement. Um, uh, so essentially this, this, uh, this pledge um, is in, we're engaging with policy um, advocacy and grassroots organizations um, uh, to 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 you know to essentially to fight for environmental justice that it has no borders right ensuring the survival of land and people anywhere it requires that we oppose settler colonialism militarism land theft and environmental destruction everywhere um, so definitely yeah hope everybody can also sign on to the no war i mean the the no greenwashing pledge and we'll be sharing more about uh, the nowhere no warming pledge um, and how folks can support uh, in that effort as a, as a weeks and months ahead
1: Thanks for mentioning all of this, Ramon. And I think it's critically important um, to, like, you know, when we're talking to our neighbors and you know, folks in at the grassroots level about um, how to address this thing in terms of climate, in terms of water, in terms of local contamination. If there's a, you know, a suspicion of that, I can tell you that from some of my experience in the Defense Logistics Agency, um, there are, I'll give one example, um, casting and forging um, plants that are embedded in neighborhoods in Roanoke, Virginia, um, literally on the block in Baltimore. Um, And um, you see these things happening. And a lot of times there's a military or you know, um, you know, uh, you know, large corporation, you know, propaganda, you know, statement in terms of we are prioritizing safety, right? We're, you know, ensuring that, you know, the work that we're doing here, though they contain contaminants, aren't, you know, contaminating uh, your water supply. um, However, we know better. Um, I'm curious if you can give you know, a couple nuggets, a couple of you know, things that folks can sort of think about is they're organizing their community locally here in across the u s um around um the implications locally in the in the community.
2: I'm sorry. the, so the question was like how can folks engage in their local community? Um, yeah,
1: I building think- power, organizing, pushing back on that narrative that, again, um, sounds good um however we know may have a local impact to um you know safety climate um, you know yeah. safety of, of drinking water um and the lands etc
2: for sure yeah no i think um it's important um so the one thing that that, that like one thing that we've been able to 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 do um, um is that we have as it comes as it connects to militarism as it connects to climate change um, um uh, is that we've been able to put um the people's orientation in the regenerative economy essentially was as a toolkit that provides like over 80 policy ideas and solutions um that are presented in, in essentially 15 planks um um that are the, the it's essentially a strategy to kind of being able to 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 move these forwards right so one way that we look at it is that like the solutions they must protect, not harm our communities, right? The solutions must repair the harms of our uh, of the extractive economy. Um, The solutions must not uh, uh, must move non extractive and equitable investments to our communities and our and our and to workers and solutions must provide a foundation uh, to transform relationships and structures um, um, so that they're rooted in respect equity and justice. Right. So I think when you find like-minded people um, within your community, um, that's how you build power, right? Continue to have conversations, continue to group together. It could be from uh, your neighborhood association, it could be at your community center, it could be at your library. Um, um, there might not be you know, organizations in your community, right? So it takes a person essentially just to, uh, to, to, to engage in that effort, right? To try and, 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 and engage in dialogue. Um, um, and then, um, it depends on how you want to, um, uh, you know, in, engage in the conversation that so for you know, when it comes to war and it becomes to militarism, you know, uh, for, for a lot of our, a lot of the generation, you know, like for my son, I think about my son or my kids, like war, hasn't directly impacted. It hasn't been the, the main, uh, uh, impacting factor in their life. Right. Um, um the way it has a lot of other generations and a lot of other people right um so it's about trying to find the on-ramp um um for 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 folks that haven't engaged around militarism or don't have um, um a primary kind of focus is seeing like where the on-ramp is right so for example whether it be with the, the immigrant rights movement um you have um, um ice and and and, and and border patrol and the continuing to militarization of our of our borders right um and, and the surveillance and the way that that apparatus continues to kind of impact our communities um you know um, um it takes um you know even just like the continuing uh militarization of the police right the military budget and the police budgets kind of they they reflect one another um as as nationally as the federal budget continues to and, you know that pie continues to get bigger and bigger for militarism and militarization military budget so does at the city level right that budget continues to uh, move more towards policing right so we need to um, um not be putting all our our efforts into continuing to um, um build you know huge militaries um and and huge police department uh, police forces right um we have to like invest in those uh the communities and in the issues that we kind of Um, And the resources that we really need in our community, good streets, good infrastructure, um, good housing, healthcare, education, you know, good, you know, accessible food, right? A lot of our communities have food deserts, right? And the fact that the number, you know, the the highest budget in the military um, is not able to provide for, for, you know, food and and housing for a lot of our people, then that just shows that, you know, where our morals and our values lie.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're saying here that, you know, your kid has grown up without war, but not in the way like Vietnam and not in the way like World War II, because at that time, like 50% World War II, 50% of the population drafted, uh, 25% of the population drafted for Vietnam. But yet we are spending way more money than we ever spent in World War II on the military. So I would say, you know, war is affecting our kids, yeah. more. Uh, what we, but it's like more than we know because it's being privatized into a mercenary society. It's it's just not like on front street, like it used to be to a publicly owned and accountable military actions anymore. So that's, that's my point of view on it, like where, where we're just, uh, now it's only 1% of the population that's in the military. And so we're thinking, oh, we're not really at war. That's how we're able to be constantly at war. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my reflection on that is um, Dr. King talked about that. In the same speech that we're inviting friends and comrades to go out and reflect or at least, um, you know, re-listen to his words. Um, You know, we are at this point, and I think we have been for quite a while around um, what is the um, conscious um, layout and fabric of our nation who's um, been at war um, for so long that we we also don't acknowledge um, and call it out in the same ways that um, we used to, you know, that it used to shock the conscience that we spent dollars um, in previous um, decades and generations. But here we are now facing a grossly bloated budget um, in ways that we also look at it as, you know, um, a way of life, a new way of life. And so that's a good point. Um, to bring up. I'm curious, Ramon, in the work that you all, um, that you're seeing and that you all are building around, um, how does the Army Corps engineers relate to all of this? Um, um, Since they're involved in, you know, sort of the civilian facing um, projects, we've seen this as an organization, as our members, um, you know, mobilize to Standing Rock, um, and also here in the last um, six months um, to line three. Um, I'm curious if you can speak a little bit to what your understanding of the Army Corps of Engineers role.
2: Yeah, is. I mean, I can't speak too much as far as like the, the, the I don't have like a direct knowledge on, on, on every like kind of aspect of the uh, of the Army Corps of Engineers, um, but definitely they're right there um, um, in line with, with fossil fuel, industry essentially trying to continue to um extract um you know gas and oil and 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 whatnot from from uh from a lot of our communities and a lot of indigenous communities so what you're seeing is um um, you have like the state and private industries that are essentially you being they're utilizing their wealth and their money and their power in order to kind of um, um to not only exploit local communities, but then also, um, 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 essentially, um, pay, um, and, and pay for private, for private, indi- for, private uh, for private kind of, uh, essentially mercenaries, you know, private, uh, paramilitaries essentially to, to kind of harass and kind of surveil and, and continue to, to, um, um uh, wage violence on, 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 uh, Community members that are are opposed to pipeline projects that are opposed to um, extractive industry continuing to tear up their land and kind of poison the water and, and the food sources for 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 uh, their communities. Um, so yeah, that's um, essentially you know you have private and state entities that are working together in order to continue to destroy our communities. Um, yeah
1: yeah, right on, no matter who's um, you know, in the White House in in the house, right. Um, so thank you so much for lifting that up. Um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, um Ramon, um for being here in, in in this space with us today. Um, I'm curious if um, let's move to some final and wrap up um, comments. Um, Shawna, I'd love to hear from you and then Ramon, and then we'll move to close and invite everyone again to engage with us in the chat um, for um, follow-up comments and reflections there. Shauna.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so glad that you came on today, Ramon. I don't know if you noticed behind me what I have going on. The Defending the Dignity of Our Bodies, Our Communities, Mother Earth, World March of Women and Grassroots Global Justice. The, it takes roots to weather the storm system change, not climate change. I got this from COP21, uh, over here, this, uh, water is life from standing rock mini You know, I am like, I love grassroots global justice because I think, you know, it's, it's so many frontline organizations who are directly experiencing militarism and climate change and how we, how the analysis, they really taught me the analysis of like, we got to move to a regenerative economy. We cannot continue to have the extractive economy because, like you were saying, um, you know, as veterans, we're on superbund sites and we get, uh, you know, we are directly affected by the pollution. But the wars we're also fighting is based on an exploitative co- economy. Like we, our military controls something. Um, Garrett Reppenhagen told me once; he's the director of BFP. He told me like 80% of the shipping lanes. Now imagine how much war would we have to do. Or how much control, how many bases, how many military installations would we need if, it, if we actually had a regenerative economy where people are just developing their own sources of energy, right? Like that, then we would, then it would be natural to cut the military budget. And I wonder if that's why it's been so dang hard to transition our society from an extractive, exploitative economy to a regenerative economy because, like, we had that cost of war person um, from Brown University on last week there's 700 lobbyists there's like two lobbyists for war for every person that is supposed to be representing us and they're like well if we move to a regenerative economy we're not going to be able to you know uh, we have all these guns that we keep on producing all these times so that's really what we what we need to do and extract every last drop right and so that's why i appreciate ggj being like no we can move to a regenerative economy we can invest in our future We can put more money into the economy and we don't have to go to war with people about uh, oil or resources anymore uh, and make a just transition. So really appreciate that grassroots global justice is coming out with this no war, no warming. I think that's really the right way we got to go. And Ramon, I'm so glad that you're organizing, doing the work. It's Really great to have you.
1: Thanks, Shauna. Ramon, um, some final and wrap up comments. What's on your mind?
2: Yeah, um, so I just kind of want to say that, um, you know, that, you know, we have to find a way that um, um, it's, that, that this conversation that we're having, every, every conversation that we're having in order to try to kind of, uh, create a better world right it's about trying to find um a, a way to be in right relationship with people and planet right it's about how do I, you know to identify what our role is within the the belly of the beast right um, and what does it mean to be an international solidarity in corporation right to be able to engage in collective um uh, repertory kind of you know kind of around foreign policy right but um essentially it's about centering um, um, principles of collective care, reparations, the right relationship with people and planet um, and, and finding accountability, right? Um, uh, the military is a false solution. Um, uh, there's nothing sustainable about warfare. Um, and in order to mitigate, you know, climate change, you must confront the, ele- the elephant in the room. And that's uh, US military back growth, and how it's used to underpin profit driven extractive uh, a- a resource extraction, right? Um, there's at least 47 members of Congress and their spouses that have between you know 2 million and 6.7 million dollars worth of stock in companies that um, are among the top 100 defense contractors um, um, and they shouldn't be giving that money to defense contractors um, they should be investing into the community in, into our communities right so um, with that I just uh, hope that we continue to have these conversations to push, um, uh, elected officials and also to push our community members to continue to engage in this conversation.
1: Yeah, right on. Um, you know, the overwhelming majority of the, you know, Pentagon budget um goes to defense contractors. And so, you know, a lot of times we hear um, you know, elected, you know, sort of um, you know, trying to attach the budget to um, military personnel. And the reality is that's just not um, where where reality is. And so that is why our work around the Drop the Mic campaign is so critically important. Um, being in coalition with um, GGJ and the work that um, you are doing as well, um, Ramon, is so critically important. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Um, with us today, I um, hope that um, for those who were on, who have been sticking with us through this conversation, um, we'll grab those links, we'll share this live, invite your neighbors, your friends, your comrades, those in the movement um, to have deeper conversations, not just abroad, um, but we see here in the moment where um, our government had a really strong, um, you know, push against you know moving just a stimulus or um, support for people during this ongoing health pandemic um, are able to move war funds or funds abroad um, very quickly, very swiftly. We ought to be having different conversations and organizing in ways that we can help shift those power structures. Um, even those that are back behind lobbyists um, and what have you, we the people vote. Um, and we, the people should continue to stay engaged in this space, um, particularly, I say amid the pandemic, because I think this is one of the contradictions that really rise, you know, uh, should, you know, help us rise to a moment where we understand that it is unconscionable to see a growing Pentagon budget. In excess of eight hundred billion dollars, um, while we see our neighbors, um, our friends, and our family struggle in the ways that we are seeing. Um, so, thank you so much, Ramon, for being on with us. Um, the the engagement, you know, that you and Shauna had, and some of those questions and your responses um, were just super on point. I engage, and you know, really want to invite um, the community to stick with us. This is what we're hoping to unpack each Monday to have folks who are doing this work um, who can speak um, to um, what does it look like at the grassroots level to have these conversations. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Ramon, we'll be back next week for another Engage and Drop the Mic Monday. Hope that you will stick with us, um, engage with us um, and build power with us. So, again, um, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, joining us. And we'll be back next week at 2 p.m. Eastern here across About Face um, social media. Have a great day. Be well, everyone.
0: I hope you have enjoyed listening to that live recording with Ramon Mejia about all the awesome ways that veterans are organizing for climate justice not just against global warming, but for climate justice with all the impacted communities around the world that are suffering from climate change, and a lot of it has to do with the U.S. military. Thank you so much for listening to us. Please like, share, subscribe, and also, if you'd like to get your own, drop the mic merch. We have that at store.aboutbaseveterans.org. Hope to see you wearing that shirt pretty soon. If you do end up wearing it, please tag us in the social media. It's vets About Face on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. So wear this merch, show it off, and we'll feature you on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next week.